Okay. Uh, well, let's see. Just a little closer. A little closer to God. <laughs> okay, so go to Mark 923. Let's see. And then go, we're going to go to Luke 137. Okay. Okay, now this is uh, about a little boy who was uh, possessed with a, little, a devil and, and he would have, um, the devil would throw him into the fire and so forth and so on. And um, so he was, Jesus was talking to the father and, um, and the father said, he, he said to him, well, I'm looking in the Amplified, I'm going to look in here. Um, he said, oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can't believe, if you can believe, in other words, all things are possible to him that believes. In the Amplified, it says, and Jesus said, you say to me, if you can do anything, that, that father said to Jesus, if you can do anything, why? Jesus said, all things can be and are possible to him who believes. Ooh, I mean, think what that's saying. Now go to Luke 137, Amplified. All things are possible to him that believes. So then it says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. None of it, no, no word in this thing, in this Bible, is impossible to God. Yeah. It can be fulfilled. Yeah. So, um, we're going to look again a little bit in numbers tonight, but in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and I'll just read this verse to you. I wrote it out. Yeah. It says, now all these things happened to them, to the Israelites, for an example. To all the people in the Old Testament. They, they, all the stuff that happened to them is an example to us that we're living, I mean, that, it's the same way now. And warnings to us what not to do. For our admonition or our warning, an admonition is a warning, 
uh, for our admonition to instruct us so that we do the right thing. So that's why you could, you know, it's good to read everything because look what they did not believe. We're going to go there later. But the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of the New Testament. And things that happened to the Israelites were an example to us. Now, when, it is, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, what's that to us? When we came out of the world system and got born again. But you got to get out of the world system. And they walked across the Red Sea. They were free. They were happy. They were healthy. They were prosperous and delivered from enemies. And that's the same thing happens to us in the new birth. It does at first. <laughs> so the second we're born again, God looks at us and he sees us the same way. Now, he never stops seeing us that way because of the blood of Jesus on the mercy seat. Okay. And he sees us as the apple of his eye because <laughs> he loves us. And if we trust him, we can walk in a good kind of life. Actually, this goes along right with what we were talking about in the, in the tithes and offerings. So, okay, but problems come along, don't they? Okay, opposition comes. Now, remember those four types of ground. Even that, that one says they received it, the third one, they received it with joy. But then all these distractions started to come. Worldly distractions too. Money distractions. You know, or like pleasure, fun. Relatives don't agree with you. You know, what you're, you're, you're doing. Blah, 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 blah. You could go on and on. Opposition in all kinds of ways. All right. But what does it say? And put this up. 1 John 5, 4. Now, do you believe the Bible? All things are possible to him who believes. Whoever is born of God. Are you a whatever? <laughs> For whatever is born of God is victorious over. Okay, I like it better than King James. I'm sorry. Whoever is born of God, that's why I like it better, overcomes the world. Yeah, it says up there, but it overcomes what you've been brought out of. Okay. And this is the victory that, victory, this is the victory. This is the victory, though, that overcomes the world. And what is it? It's faith, just what we were talking about. What really is faith? Faith is absolutely believing this word. I'll tell you what, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but the word will never pass away. Well, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is God. <laughs> so how can, it, how can that pass away? Okay, now... God prepared that promised land for Abraham's descendants. 
And the pro promised land was not, not a type of heaven. Did anybody ever hear that teaching, a teaching on that that they used to say at the Pentecostal church, I think, <laughs> that it was a type of heaven, but how could it be? There were giants. There were problems. <laughs> no, it's a type of the same thing that we encounter now. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, it wasn't a type of heaven, but it was a type of abundance. Do you get it? We have entered the promised land, and it's a type of abundance that we can have, regardless if you're a millionaire or a zero heir. <laughs> so, see, life on earth. See, when we are born again, we're translated from, and I love this, but think about it. The kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. That kingdom of God means the kingdom of heaven. Then it says we're citizens of heaven and with citizenship rights of what heaven enjoys. Then Ephesians 1.3 says everything that heaven already enjoys is ours. But you have to get to that point. But that is why you get into the word so that you know what to do to follow God. And like I said before, people think, oh, you don't get the blessing when you follow God. It's not as much fun. It's more fun. You're going to be able to take a whole bunch of trips. If, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I, it's more fun because God blesses you with abundance. Okay. Now, our victory has already been given us. because, And the devil is defeated. Sickness and disease are already conquered. I know we'll get that. We're going to get it, right? <laughs> okay, but now go to Numbers 13. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2 first. Again. And we'll go in the uh, King James 2. Yeah. And the Lord... Is it up there? No. no. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, now here's what he said. Send men that they may search the land of Canaan, and I circled this part, which I give. He already gave it to them. Right. He already gave us all these things also. <laughs> Which I give, and you know what, that's not the only time he said it. When I started reading, through, I mean, many times, uh, but uh, it's, it's all through from Genesis on. I said it one time, and it keeps going on and on. I give you that promised land. In that promised land, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so send men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Okay, now let's jump to verse 17. Now let's go to the Amplified. Really, I meant verse 18. You know that they send them already. That's what that verse 17 says. Okay? 
and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, few or many. Okay, now let's go jump down to verse 20, uh, 26. At the end of the verse, they, they were there for 40 days. And then they came back and they brought them word and showed them the land's fruit. Verse 27, amplify. And they told Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us. Surely it does flow with milk and honey. It's a rich land. But, and then in the King James it says, never the less. <laughs> Think what never the less. <laughs> what a word. It, it's never the less. <laughs> Science intellectual, but it's, a, it's bad. <laughs> okay, but. The people who dwell there are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, moreover, there we saw the sons of Anak of great stature and courage. Okay, so God, now I wanted to tell you, I guess I want to tell you this too. Verse 29, and I want to emphasize this somewhat too. And Amalek dwells in the land of the south, the Negev. The Hittite, the Jebusite, the Amorite dwell in the country and the Canaanite. The Canaanites were like, um, they were uh, really, uh, uh, oh, let's say, worldly, sexually involved, uh, doing a lot of maybe Baal worship. And uh, uh, the Hittite, was actually what we encounter now as a spirit of fear. Um, the Jebusites were, uh, yeah, a spirit of depression and negative emotions, heaviness all the time. The Amorites would gossip and slander people and try to bring discord and division between people. See, do you see that? Those are the same things we've got to write down. Yeah. Same thing. But God said to go in and possess the land. And that's what we need to do. Amen. And in the church world today, some are satisfied to just stay in a desert. Exactly. Come on. Yeah. Stand in a desert. Yeah. Well, we just live our life the way we always did. Everything happens just like you did in the world. That's not what we got born again for. We're to be overcomers. Well, I tell you what, I just couldn't stand it in that other world anymore. I didn't know what I wanted, but when I found it, I knew that that was it. <laughs> so see, stay in the desert and get a little water out of a rock little bit of money, you know, and a bit of manna, as long as I have enough to eat. And be, you know what, see what I mean? God wants us to move, to take over. He does. Or people will say, and I've had this said, don't push me. Don't push me. You're turning me off. However, it makes you wonder, if you were so excited when you got born again, are they really born again? Are they really born again? 
makes me wonder. I saw a lot of that in school. Yep, my kid's born again. You know, when I had ran that school, and I, oh, really? <laughs> That's a danger. You see, the choice is ours, though, and God will not force us. Well, now let's go to Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 19. Hebrews. You know, if you get excited about it, the, the Holy Ghost himself will start to teach you. Especially when you get spirit-filled. Hebrews 3. 7, verse 7. Um, we'll do the King James just for the sake of, well, we'll see. I might go back over a <laughs> Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, now he's talking to us, though. Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. As in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. You know what it says in the Amplified? I wish it was easy to go back and forth a bit. Okay, do not harden your hearts as happened in the rebellion. In the rebellion of Israel. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, it says in Daniel. And their provocation and embitterment of me, embitterment of God, in the day of testing in the wilderness. See, the enemy strikes, and because of a lack of teaching, people blame God. God isn't doing everything. He turned it over to us to take authority. Okay, verse 9. In the, uh, well, you know what? <laughs> were, your <laughs> were your fathers tempted me? Can I find it here now? Where my, your fathers, they tempted me. You see, they, they were the one, actually, can you imagine testing, tempting God? And they proved me, and you know, because God stuck with them. There were, there were so many, oh, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to the world because they had garlic. <laughs> and they had, you know, all this good food, yeah, leeks and whatever. And, um, uh, you know, at least we got fed, even though they worked us so hard, we practically died. <laughs> when the fathers tempted me, they were tempting God, but he stayed, he stayed nice to them. And he kept helping them and helping them. Finally, one time, though, he got so mad all that time that there were snakes in the desert. And, and he, um, you know, they, they would not obey him. And those snakes started biting him. And see, all that time he had protected them. 
all that time. He'll protect you, but it gets to a point when you walk outside of, the, of where you're supposed to be walking in the world system, then stuff, that it opens the door to the devil. And there was a devil then, of course. <laughs> but they, they proved God and they saw his works. He would feed them. He would do miracles. They, I mean, there were, he got them out of Egypt, you know, and he got them out of the world and nobody was sick and they had to walk and he, he opened up the Red Sea and all that stuff. Are you grateful for what he's done for you? You see what I mean? We need to thank him. Yeah. And to believe his word. We need to believe that word. Okay. So in verse 11 then. No, uh, verse 10. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and I said, they're continuously erring in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. They did not know his love for them and the word of God. Um, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. And so I was provoked and displeased, and sorely grieved with that generation and said, they always err and they are led astray in their hearts and they have not perceived or recognized my ways and become progressively better and more experimentally and intimately acquainted with them. His word, his love, his faith. His faith. Keep going on in the Amplified. Accordingly, I swore in my wrath and indignation, they shall not enter my rest. See, we're supposed to be in such peace that we're resting. I know I'm not there. <laughs> Therefore, beware, brethren, verse 12, take care, lest there be in any one of you. Now, what if they were a type of shadow? Any, is there anyone in you? A wicked, unbelieving heart. Well, I don't know about that scripture. I don't believe that stuff. Which refuses to cleave and trust in and rely on him more than what you see or hear or feel, more than what a doctor says, more than what your finances say in the bank, more than anything. Leading you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God. Remember that third ground we talked about on, on Sunday. The third ground, I received the word with joy. Oh, I'm so excited about the word. And you know what? They didn't make it because the world started to distract them. I thought, ooh, that's really... Um, verse 13, but instead warn admonish, urge, and encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, by fraudulence, by stratagems, by strategies. Oh, let's, you know, you play Stratego, or, you know, you play game, and you strategy, military strategies or something like that. Well, see, you're doing the same, we're doing the same thing sometimes. The trickery, which the delusive glamour of his sin plays on you. 
For we have become fellows with Christ. King James, I like better, we are made partakers of Christ. We are one with him. And if we hold the beginning of our confidence, another word for confidence, now faith is the confidence of things we hope for. That's faith. We hold the beginning of our faith steadfast unto the end. Now, I want to tell you something. There are deceiving, seducing, seduce you. Spirits to Christians. You're deceived to think things about circumstances and situations and other people and yourself that are not true. And, and you know, the devil talks to you enough, you act on it and you believe it. But see, we are partakers, we are co-laborers, we are one with Christ and he owns us. I love that, you own me, take me, oh wow, he owns me, I love it. Okay, so now let's go into the King James, for sure. What, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, don't get a hard heart. Don't harden your heart, as in the provocation. Don't act like the Israelites did in their unbelief. For some, when they heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Not all of them did it, but a lot of them provoked God to a point where they died. All rebelled, though, in numbers except Joshua and Caleb. Okay, verse 17. But with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned? and his carcasses fell in the wilderness. Now, was God grieved because they wanted too much? No, no. no, he was trying to give it to them. Do you see? That's the same with us. He was grieved because they didn't believe him. They wouldn't take what he gave them. It hurts. That would hurt a parent. Because they refused to receive what he gave them. I put that in my own Bible. Okay. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to them that believed, believed not? So we see that they could not enter into a promised land because of unbelief. You could say the promised land was our answers, too. It, 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 you know, there's more to this Christianity than, than meets the eye here. So, the choice is ours, though, and the Bible, you know, God won't force you. The Bible says the Israelites could not enter in because they didn't believe God. They probably didn't even read the Bible. But you know what? You're accountable for that also. You're accountable. What determines whether we move into abundance or barely get along in our life or never never able to overcome the works of our flesh. Yeah. What, what determines that? It's the extent to which you believe God. It's the extent to which you believe God. Are you just going to play religion? You're going to play church. See, that, I did that for 
because I didn't know. I don't know. It's all, well, if you do those good works, that's it. And see, you've got to beware of even relatives who try to, to say things to you or, you know, thinking <laughs> or urge you, well, you're just going too far. This is, you know what? The time is short. The time is really short now. It really is. Okay. And God said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Okay, now faith is a spiritual law. That's another thing that operates by believing and by saying. And you know what? It's a, a law like gravity. Honest to God, who, 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 uh, who, who made gravity? God himself. But there are laws in here, spiritual laws. And they work. It, is, it works for everybody. Now, according to the law of faith, what we believe and what we say is what we get. Ouch. <laughs> so faith does not operate by feelings. Oh, boy. Doesn't operate by senses. It's not moved by what it sees or feels or hears. Faith doesn't. That's, that's, you know, that's difficult because we're used to living by our senses. But we've got to believe, we've got to go beyond that point. Okay, so again, Numbers 13. Verse 28 and verse 30. We're going to go back there. 13, 28. They said, but, 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 or nevertheless, <laughs> the people are strong who dwell in that land, and the cities are, man, they're full of forts, and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the sons of Anak of great stature, giants in the land. And, and you know what? And then they were talking about all these spirit of fear and blah, 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 blah. Okay, verse 30, amplified. Caleb said, shh, <laughs> knock it off. You guys, stop it. Just think they were, there were 12 tribes and the heads of each tribe and 10 of them betrayed God. Two of them, not. <laughs> Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, no, come on you guys, God said we can have it. Let's go up at once and possess it. Let's possess what God has given us. Us too, let's possess it. We are well able to conquer it. But those fellow scouts said, verse 31, we are not able to go up no, other than against those people in Canaan, for they are stronger than us. So they brought an evil report. An evil report is a report that is exactly against the word of God. So, see, uh, Okay, we'll, we'll just go on. Now, they brought an evil report. Now, God associates that evil report with disagreeing with his word. That's huge. 
God associates an evil report with disagreeing with his word. God, I'm going to say it again. He associates an evil report with disagreeing with his word. The word nevertheless, and uh, what was the one they used there? Uh, it, but it gets a but. <laughs> yeah, it gets, it gets a lot of people in trouble. Because it's a sign of your unbelief. Okay, now Numbers 14. I should have shut my Bible. 23 and 24. <laughs> Numbers 14, 23 and 24. Skip last, you know, was it by one of the Sundays I, I read a lot of this to you. But uh, Numbers... Got it? 14, 23 and 24, amplified. Wait a minute. Okay, you know what? Let's go to 22. Or even 20. <laughs> you know, think how good God was. In verse, in verse uh, 19, Moses interceded for the people. And he said, Lord, he said, pardon them. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Hey, intercessors, use that. <laughs> hey, you're going to answer this according to your word, Lord. If he told Moses, I have pardoned according to your word, Moses. <laughs> God. See, he respected him. If God respects you, he'll answer you like that for other people. Verse 21, but truly as I live and all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And it's here right now. See, the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men who have seen my glory and my miraculous signs which I performed in the world system, and in the wilderness, yet have tested me and proved me and yelled at me and called me all kinds of names yeah. and said, you don't care about us and proved me these 10 times and have not heeded my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to give to your fathers. Okay, he pardoned him, but he said, you aren't going to get any miracles. <laughs> Nor shall any who provoke, spurned, or despise me see it. Next verse. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, and he followed me fully. Is that you? I will bring into the land, into, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Well, it was taken for granted. It was Joshua, too. Wait, I was going to say something right there. Actually, they died in the wilderness, though. Those 10 spies were dead. Yes, they died immediately. They died immediately. And it was their children who were under 40, or from 20 to 40, 
who had to go through that whole desert another 40 years, but they eventually got into the promised land. So three million people who didn't see the promised land believed 10 leaders. And it would think, well, we should, because look it, there's, there's a bigger number that they're believing. These, the opinion of more, we should listen to. See, that's what we do in the world a lot of times. Who, who are they? Who is she? Who, is, who, are, who are we that we know anything? You know what I mean? Three million. They didn't see the promised land. They believed 10 leaders who said it couldn't be done. And, and there's a lot of people out there that are saying that healing has passed away. And, 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 and their leaders, you know what? Keith Moore says all the time when we watch him, we watch this half an hour uh, healing program, and, uh, and he says there's millions out there, millions of Christians that do not believe in healing. They, they actually say it passed away because they don't understand. But see, and then that has something to do with speaking in tongues, too. Because as when you get full of the Spirit, you have more power and more revelation knowledge. And that, that's where it lies. But the devil hates it. So they're saying healing's passed away. And they're leaders, and they may even have degrees in theology, and there's people who believe them. I mean, not all the people that have degrees. A lot of, a lot of people very yet have degrees too. I don't want to, you know, that's not. But only Joshua and Caleb said it was possible. Because it's what Joshua and Caleb believed and said. Believed and said. Believed and said. Believed and said. That made the difference. What made the difference? They believed it and they said it. And because of unbelief, the Israelites had to wander in the desert 40 more years, except for the 10 leaders, they were gone. Now, the entire unbelieving generation died except Joshua and Caleb. And they led the next generation into the promised land. But notice, <laughs> notice this, they all got what they believed and said. <laughs> oh, you get what you believe and what you say, and what usually what you say is what you're believing. <laughs> I've been there too. I've had to repent. Okay, now if that that spiritual law worked under the old covenant, it's working right now in the new covenant. And in uh, Numbers fourteen twenty four, it said Caleb had another spirit in him. Remember that? I mean, that's that's it. A spirit that gets excited, a spirit that, wow, I've been looking for this all my life, a spirit that just won't quit. So you can't let it get dull. You can't let it. And if that spirit isn't in you, you may have to, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He, he had the same spirit of faith as in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he who had wrote, I have believed and therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. What the word of God, what God says. Now we're a direct result of what we've been believing and saying about ourselves. <laughs> See, don't rebel. 
Don't give an evil report against the word of God. Hook up with God. Like never before. Agree with his word, but you got to get into his word. So you know what? You can start walking in the blessings that he provided. Now, there's more to this, but I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to read, let's see. Ken, could you bring, or Luis, would you bring me my phone? It's on the, flip it in there. There it is. Okay. I'm going to read what Dutch Sheets wrote. Yeah, and I know. Wait a minute. I, I'm considering um, reading February 14th, too. The Valentine's Day <laughs> mystery. The Asbury Revival. Many have contacted the hymn asking if I've heard about the Asbury Revival, and if so, do I think it is the beginning of what I saw in a vision the week of 9-11-01. Okay. Way back. I shared the vision on Flashpoint a couple of weeks ago. I started hearing about this outpouring almost immediately and do believe it could be the beginning of what I saw. I have been very excited about what I'm sending and hearing in the revival, ongoing worship, and passion for Christ led by the students. Heartfelt contrition and repentance of sin, the obvious lingering presence of the Holy Spirit, grassroots led verses initiated and controlled by individuals. Such hunger for his presence that classes are canceled. These characteristics all describe what I saw in the vision. Many videos and first-hand reports are circulating online. It's a lot of it on YouTube. People are beginning to travel from elsewhere to experience what's occurring there. As of yesterday, 22 colleges, 22 colleges, had sent groups of their students to the Asbury campus, believing for an impartation. The following report is from a seminary, seminary professor who visited the meeting. Two things stood out to me. First, there was a noticeable lack of tension in my body <laughs> when I got there. I was completely relaxed. There was also a complete lack of mental tension or distraction. My mind was at utter peace, and I had only been there 10 minutes. <laughs> the second thing I recall thinking is that I could sit here in this chair forever. <laughs> The desire to linger indefinitely was quite unexpected. I had planned to pop in there a few minutes before returning to work, and suddenly work was the farthest thing from my mind. I wound up staying for well over an hour in the time I was there, and I could not get over certain distinctive qualities about the atmosphere. The words that came to mind were gentle, sweet, peaceful, serene, tender, and still. Some people were singing, others were talking, many were praying. But there was something like a blessed stillness permeating the place. No one was swinging from the chandeliers. <laughs> Extreme emotional manifestations, he calls those. <laughs> in fact, it was right, it was, in fact, it was right the opposite. What made this so wild was just how unwild the whole thing is. It's unwild. <laughs> 
The peacefulness in that place is so palpable that the first 10 minutes had made an impression that will last the remainder of my lifetime. This and other reports are incredibly encouraging. Jim Garlow shared these exciting first-hand reports from others. I am in Hughes now. It's getting deeper and wider. Another report, more are arriving. Worship. A third person, there's an uproar coming from Hughes tonight. A tangible thickness is present, and there is a weight in the air. People keep pouring in. I don't know where Hughes is, but... Also, I was just told of a busload of students from Indiana Wesleyan University is on the way. Aren't those the ones that sing like, you know, uh, some of those songs? We, we, yeah. And I was told that the Asbury Revival has now impacted this campus number two, Ohio Christian University. There could be no doubt that this is a move of the Holy Spirit. It seems there is a well of revival at Asbury, which the Holy Spirit keeps reopening. The following article shares some of Asbury's revival history. Well, I don't think we, I don't we need to read that, but there was a lot of revivals all the way from 1905 to 2006. A bigger, uh, okay. The revival might not start at Asbury, but it probably will begin on campuses, says McKenna, a noted author. <laughs> he travels to many colleges and says, I see the signs wherever I go. Those signs include a generation of students wounded by family breakdowns and searching for spiritual fulfillment. And from my friend Rick Cork Curry, who carries a great passion and anointing for revival, he sent this during his visit to Asbury campus. The revival is as deep-flowing river of humility, repentance, and brokenness. The services are filled with student-led worship and powerful testimony of God's power at work in the lives of a young generation. Now people are flooding into this quiet and otherwise sleepy little town. The students have led revival now nonstop since chapel last Wednesday, uh, February 8th. I am listening now to testimonies of the fire of God transforming lives. A young female student who was full of fear and suicidal had just had a radical encounter of the love of God setting her free. A young lady who came to the revival from Indiana testified she was standing on the outside wall of Hughes Auditorium when a lady with a young girl ran towards her from the other side of the room. The young girl had a rare disease and her mom felt this lady was to pray for her. It turns out the lady is a doctor who specializes in that specific disease, but the daughter was completely healed. So much more. It is amazing. Okay, now I'm going to go to the today. Okay, so uh, there had been in the past some, and I can remember reading about this because I don't, sometimes go there every day, but I remember about this, um, a prophecy that was released in 2018, and um, it was a dream that G.H. and Gina <laughs> had. She's one of the intercessors with them, and, um, but here. In the first dream, Gina was in Kentucky, where Asbury is. 
That's, that's where it is right now. At the Red River Meeting House, where a revival took place in 1800 that marked the start of the Second Great Awakening. Interestingly, Asbury University is also in Kentucky. 100 eagles were there. After a geyser erupted, symbolizing the reopening of this well of revival, there's wells in certain places, and we, by prayer, can make those wells come alive, just like Isaac did when he reopened the wells that, that they had closed up, the enemy had closed up. Okay. 100 eagles were there. Oh, okay. Uh, they were flying the eagles... Reopening of this well of revival, the eagles departed, flying through the water, and the eagles were becoming drenched with water. They then flew to different parts of America with the revival water dripping off of them onto different regions. <laughs> Each eagle had a scroll in one claw and three arrows in the other. There is much more to be dreamed if you want to look at February 9, 2021. It has that whole dream. But this was a second dream. I can, I can remember reading it in 2021 to the prayer book. I remember that. Do you, yeah. Okay. The eagles released their arrows. In the second dream, that was now pretty close here. Gina saw the eagles once again. Here's the dream. I dreamed I was standing with someone on a deck-like structure in a very lofty place in the heavens. We were looking down, observing the, the United States of America. I did not know who the man was standing next to me, but I could feel a strong anointing from him, causing me to have an indescribable hope for the nation. As we were looking down, we saw what first appeared to be warplanes flying over the United States. Maybe that's those balloons. Oh, no, <laughs> shut him down. No, <laughs> I know. The gentleman next to me said, Oh my, I wonder what is happening in America. What do all these warplanes mean? He said this, not with concern, but almost as though he was wanting me to see something that wasn't obvious. He looked at me as if I should know the right answer to his questions. I said, those aren't warplanes, those are eagles. I have seen them before in a dream. There are 100 of them. They're carrying water from reopened wells of revival at the Red River Meeting House from way in the 1800s. It has been unlocked and is now gushing forth into the United States. I could cry. <laughs> then I could clearly see that the eagles, just as in the previous dream, were carrying three arrows in one of their talons and a rolled up piece of paper in the other. Also, they were still drenched in releasing water from the geyser erupting on the grounds of the Red River Meeting House. As the eagles were flying in all directions across America, suddenly they all began diving toward the ground. When near the ground, they leveled off and began dropping their arrows onto the land. I knew there were 100 eagles and each carried three arrows, so 300 were released throughout the land. When each arrow hit the ground, it ignited as though it had hit a gas pocket. Wait a minute. <laughs> and a spiraling plume of fire shot up. 
Then we watched as the water, we watched as the water the eagles were carrying and releasing were ignited by the fire. The water from the Red River meeting house was extreme, extremely flammable and instantly caught fire. It seemed that all of America was on fire. In the dream, I became very aware of the power and presence of God. I fell to my knees and began to sob uncontrollably. The gentleman with me then began speaking under a heavy anointing. It was then that I noticed he had a very strong accent. He said, you have seen correctly. This is how America will be saved. Do not doubt it. There is coming a sweeping move of the Spirit of God <coughs> that will ignite America with the fire of his presence. This will bring a swift, undeniable awareness of God and an awakening. What seems to be one thing is about to be revealed as another because of all the junk going on now. Some are in fear because of how things appear, but others see with holy awe and expectation. The eagles are on assignment. They carry firepower. They carry glory. And at the precise moment, their arrows will be released hit their targets, and the move of God will ignite and spread very quickly. Then he said again, do not doubt it. Still on my knees, I looked at the man, and I somehow knew he was Duncan Campbell, one of the ministers from the great Hebrides revival. But I don't know. But anyway, John Kilpatrick's prophecy, I declare today that no matter what may be going on in the natural world, it shall not hinder what is about to break forth in the spirit. Let this declaration go forth so that the powers that shall be put on notice that prayers and intercession have been made and now is the time for the great harvest of souls. We are standing on the threshold of great change. The change has already begun in nothing, nor no one will prevent this final harvest of the ages. What I have promised I shall perform, say God. This glory will not break forth in just one geographical location. It will begin to manifest in many places upon the earth almost simultaneously. This will be a quick work. Things will happen so fast that it may take a while to recognize that this is the Lord's doing. There will become such an overwhelming awareness of God that many office buildings will become spiritual triage centers. Street corners will become healing centers. Warehouses will house large prayer gatherings. School campuses and even department stores will experience great visitations as my spirit moves across the land. Military bases will have some of the mightiest moves of God. Prisons will experience massive conversions. The greatest hunger will not be in those houses of worship, but it will be on the streets, even in transit systems, in secular gatherings. Sounds will arise from city streets of spontaneous outbreaks of powerful worship from hundreds and even thousands of people. But officials and city leaders will not lay a hand upon it, for they will know that this is a holy thing. You have heard about these things in previous outpourings, but in this awakening you will see it. It shall be broadcast far and wide. I am calling on you to prepare your hearts now. Call upon me. Seek me now. Open your hearts to my spirit. I will show you what to pray. I will reveal timing to you. 
You will know what you must do. The time to seek me is now. There are evil powers at work. Call upon my name. Proclaim my name to this generation, and you will see the salvation of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Keep praying and ask the Holy Spirit to pour himself out on the young generation here in America and around the world. Obviously, it will not be limited only to them, but for a long time, many of us have felt that it will begin with them and millions will come to Christ. So it's going to involve all of us. So, Father God, there's a prayer. Thank you for continuing to encourage and lead us as we pray for the release of your great Holy Spirit outpouring. We are confident that this has begun and will continue. And in the dream you said, do not doubt your word or doubt this. We do not. We're confident the prophetic arrows of deliverance that come by angels and eagles and the fire are positioned for the great release. They possess fire power, revival, water, and glory. You also said this is how America shall be saved. Not by politics, but revival will save America. We ask for the arrows to be released now, and we decree your promise. Arrows of the Lord's deliverance be released in the name of Jesus. Release your kingdom power and authority into the United States of America. As your voice on earth, the church, we command the release of life. We command the release of deliverance, of new beginnings, of healed minds and bodies. And we command the breaking of all opposition, the tearing down of strongholds. Continue to pour out your spirit at Asbury and other colleges around America. And I've even prayed that it will come into the schools, into the lower schools. What you showed me in 2001 has become an unstoppable movement of holy fire. Millions of people were saved and delivered. We thank you, Father, that this is coming and will not be stopped. In Yeshua's name we declare, and we decree that we have reached a fullness of time and fires of revival are released. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. It did. You want to go get it for me? <laughs> Thank you. See, we need to pray for that revival all the time. Yeah, but here, yes, and here's what you, it should be praying. Because Kenneth Hagen, okay, Zechariah 10.1, let's go there. And we have a, a regular printed out sheet for this. Zach, I mean, I can remember I went to a, uh, I went to a prayer meeting with Kenneth Hagin. It was the prayer meeting they have. And I, my daughter was going there. So, I, I mean, I just came to the campus. And um, I thought, I'm going to that prayer. I'm going to the prayer meeting. And he, <laughs> I was a little bit late. And so was he. <laughs> and he opened the door for me. And he said, gee, it looks like we're both late. <laughs> I went, oh, get it, they can talk to me. <laughs> and, and the very first thing he prayed was Zechariah 10.1. I asked for the rain in the time of the latter rain, that there would be bright clouds and lightnings of power to everyone grass in the field. Now, I don't know if I said, uh, 
Okay, I asked, I asked for the rain, the Lord, the rain and the time of the latter rain. We're in the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds, fire, and give them showers of rain to, to soften hearts to every one grass. Every blade of grass, every single person is going to have a chance. Every one. Now, there are some that are going to refuse. There are people that are going to refuse. He actually warned about that in a, in a uh, prophecy way back. And he said there will be some that refuse. And then Kenneth Copeland said uh, a few years ago, he said, when it's your own loved ones, just forget it and keep going on. I mean, you know what? But there's a chance that, yeah. If you're praying for them, sending laborers into their life, you know, so you pray for them, it's going to happen. But don't let it get you to a point where you're going wah, wah, wah and missing out yourself. Because that's not going to help. <laughs> that's what Kenneth Copeland said. So, you know, that, that's huge. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you that the word will not return void that I've spoken tonight and that we, we prayed and that we talked about in this revival. Lord, that the word of God will not return void, but it will accomplish what we please and it will even prosper and do way far over and above all that we even ask or think oh god we thank you father that we are so privileged to live in this time lord you must have thought enough of us to be able to be alive at this time lord that we might go forth in your name and not taking any credit for anything but lord but raising the dead getting people born again getting people healed lord god their minds healed their bodies healed uh, oh, Father, we thank you, we thank you, and we yield ourselves to you and consecrate and dedicate our lives to you to even do this. And we, oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We thank you that a fire will be in every single person and the young people. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Amen. So you're dismissed. <laughs>